Well, hello there, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. This is episode 61, and if this is your first podcast, you can go back and find our previous episodes on podcast.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher, and of course, on animationforadults.com. I am Chris, and I am joined this week by Rachel. Hello, Rachel. Hello there, Chris. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's uh, so I had to bid farewell to the last uh, day of warm weather, at least so far that's been predicted for the east coast of the U.S. because it's uh, gotten very blustery and very windy and very cold. So it's time. It's I'm I'm sad that the warmer part of fall and winter is over, but that gives me another reason to stay in and watch more animation. Yay, animation! <laughs> or play video games. Either one. So, uh, this is going to be one of our more general episodes, because we haven't talked news or what we've been watching for a while, And um, but before we go into some news stories, uh, I did want to do a little bit of housekeeping and um, admin, the other thing sometimes people call it, uh, <laughs> just to let you know that Going forward for a little bit, uh, you're probably normally used to episodes coming out generally fairly regularly on a Tuesday-ish. Yeah, that's really regular-ish. Um, <laughs> so when I aim, I aim to get them edited and out for Tuesday. Um, doesn't always happen. Well, it's but... technical difficulties that we've we've had with a couple different uh, a couple different times because we've we're 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 really struggling to try to uh find the proper like recording software. I mean, we've experimented with a couple of different things to try and see works what works better and sometimes certain weeks uh it gets a little more difficult to record, especially since we're, we're trying to record, you know, two people or several people who are across, you know, an ocean. That also makes mm-hmm. things difficult. But it- we try to do our best to try to keep things regular. But for the next little while, uh episodes are probably going to be recorded and at different times to what we normally because we normally record on a Sunday evening for for me and Dan in the UK uh, afternoon for our American contingent um, but we are going to have to shake things up because people's schedules are moving around a bit and it means that episodes might come out slightly different times you might get a longer wait between episodes sometimes or you might get shorter wait so it sort of evens out so you might get one have to wait more than a week for one episode and then get two in closer proximity so the best way to keep up is to make sure that you subscribe via your platform of choice and then you will make sure you follow us on twitter on your favorite social media platform and we can let you know when a new episode's up so mm-hmm. and you if go. you uh want to make sure that our episodes are of a consistent recording quality it's safe uh we find a good program to record the podcast, you know, and probably a really good quality that may, you know, obviously these are, these programs aren't cheap. So if you want to help support us and make sure that each of the podcast episodes coming out are of a consistent quality, please, please visit our Patreon page. And, uh, you know, if you're willing to send some money our way, we'd be greatly, uh, appreciate any kind of help you can give. Indeed. And we will, we will give you extra stuff for that extra episodes and extended episodes and things like that so yeah episodes uh, with all of our bloopers and the hilarity that happens off mic 
indeed so check that out at patreon.com slash animation for adults strangely enough so that's easy enough to remember so <laughs> right on to news yes uh, as we said it's been a little while uh, since we've done some news and one of the most recent stories broke is basically I would say it's it's the news story that we've kind of all been waiting for Every, yeah. it's the news the world needed right now mm-hmm. uh, and that is Hayao Miyazaki maybe making another feature film yep Hooray! he just you know what I, I mean he couldn't he couldn't stay away he's like he keeps saying he's like I'm gonna retire now no you're not I'm gonna retire now no I'm not <laughs> <laughs> this is my last movie, I promise, guys. It's like, no, if it's if you're as passionate about filmmaking and animation as he has proven time and again, it's it's he can't get away from it. This is and you know, we can't I I don't fault him for it and I'm just as excited as I ever have been to see what what the heck is coming up next on his uh filmmaking agenda. <laughs> yeah, this is basically when he retired after after um Wind rises. Everyone was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we believe you. Yeah." And then it did seem like it was going on for quite a while, but we did always know that he wasn't retiring completely. Because mm-hmm. he was always making shorts and and working on other projects. So you know, he wasn't just gonna. He's not just gonna sit around pottering in the garden, doing gardening and driving his wife up the wall. He's no. Well, here's he's the thing. To... He might be doing one of those things, but then he'll be like, say, in the garden, and then he'll see something. He's like, I could make a movie about this. Look <laughs> at I that could, I could capture this in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you may... This came from a documentary in that was shown on NHK in Japan called The Man Who Was Not Done, which is kind <laughs> of a... That's an appropriate title. Kind of a clue. That he was going to go, ah, I'm kidding, I'm not really retired. Well, <laughs> basically, it seems that he came up with an idea and he's like, ah, oh, I'm going to turn this into a film. I can't, I can't keep away. Um, lots of places are reporting that it is a, a feature adaptation of the short that he's working on at the moment, which is called Boro the Caterpillar. And we've talked about before, and it's going to be shown in the Studio Ghibli Museum in Tokyo, and he's it's being produced in CG, which is a first for um, uh, Miyazaki. But according to our sources, that is not actually true, uh, and our source is an actual Japanese person on Twitter who who told Dan. Uh, an associate of of Dan's who was yes. able to get in contact with him and let him know that hey this is not that this is not what is going on. This is I believe from his word that it is a two dimensional feature film that uh, Miyazaki is going ahead with instead of the anything similar to the Borrow the Caterpillar short. So any other information than that we don't have at this point in time, but. As far as we're aware, that is the the rumor going around that this is a feature of Borrow the Caterpillar, as far as we are aware, is not true. And it hasn't been greenlit so far, but he started working on it anyway, because uh, he's Miyazaki. And yeah, 
I can't really see him go, I want to make a new film, and someone go, nah, you're alright. That's not going to happen. No, exactly. when, you have, when you have someone like that knocking down your door saying, I want to make a movie, please let me, it's like, you, it's probably like the biggest mistake in your life if you just say no. No, they would just throw money at him, and then we would get a new Miyazaki film, and that's great. Yeah. So, uh, and he said maybe it'll be finished in 2019 and for release in time for the 2020 Olympics. It doesn't mean it's anything to do with the Olympics, I don't think, but that's just what they said in the no, report. No, but that I would read. be really clever um, marketing, I think, if that was if it was that close to the Olympics. Uh, but that wasn't the only uh, Ghibli story that has come out recently. No. Uh, there's also the story that uh, audiences in the US are going to be able to see Spirited Away on the big screen once again yes. as, a, as a Fathom event um, to celebrate his 15th anniversary. <laughs> so old. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it kind of makes me a little sad. It's like, oh man, Spirited Away is that old. But at the same time, I never got the chance to see Spirited Away on the big screen before, so this is a golden opportunity for anyone who loves that movie to get into the theater and see that on the biggest screen possible and count me in. Mm-hmm. Just take, just G-Kids, just, just take my money. And they also... They're teaming up with Hot Topic to do a range of Studio Ghib- uh, Spirited Away uh, designs that are pretty cool. Have you seen those? No, actually, I hadn't had a chance to. But um, I, that's that's interesting that they're uh, all. I guess it makes sense since that's where a lot of like uh, uh, anime apparel and stuff has been uh, being sold in Hot Topic. So that that kind of makes sense. There's like this like there's this dress based on like Chihiro's dress. Oh, that's like that. so cute. And stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, this is... The Fathom event things are... They're... Uh, are they... You you went to the Dragon Ball one, didn't you? Yeah, I've gone to the um, the two times that they've had the, the Dragon Ball uh, mo- Dragon Ball movies limited releases. And then also, um, that was also a part of... Uh, what uh, hosted the, it was a partnership between Fathom Events and Crunchyroll that aired the uh, first dub of the uh, Digimon Try uh, mm-hmm. miniseries. So that's I've I've gone I've used uh, Fathom Events to see a couple of different like uh, premiere uh, Japanese animation releases in theaters, and it's been every single time I've gone, it's been awesome. So it should be pretty wide, I guess. I would think um, so. Yeah, if if they're because. Um, mm-hmm. Fathom Events does a good job advertising um, in theaters when they have big events coming up and for like the right movies and the right audience. Because I remember, I forget what movie we're going to see. I think it was one of the, um, I think it was one of the Marvel movies that I was taking my friends to see. That's when we were sitting in the theater, you know, early before the film started, and then that's when we saw the advertisement for the uh, Digimon Tri uh, premiere on Fathom Events. And basically, obviously, we saw that and we just freaked out. And it's like, okay, well, we know what we're doing on that day. <laughs> So, and uh, um, so I guess that's probably wider than a typical G Kids release, even probably because yeah, I guess so. They get quite a lot of venues around the country, but I guess because it's done through Fathom, it might 
you might get to see it even if you don't live somewhere that normally gets Sea Kids releases, which is awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's spirited away. It's this really huge movie for Studio Ghibli. I mean, obviously there are other... A lot of the movies that come out of that that have come out of that studio and Miyazaki's had a hand in have been, you know, really popular. But I don't know. But I think there's just something about Spirited Away that, uh, at least I remember when it came out at the time, that it really resonated with a lot of people in the U.S. And so that's probably going to get a much wider audience, hence the reason why they're trying to expand out the release to other theaters, maybe through Fathom events. And this is going to be in December. uh, And... There's going to be one screening that's going to be subtitled, one screening that's going to be dubbed, so you can choose your favourite That's platform. interesting. Um, not favourite platform, your favourite format. Um, and, yeah, you should look check out the link to see if it's playing near you if you are in the US. So. Yeah, check it out. Okay. So that's the two Ghibli stories done. Um... What should we do next? Uh... Um, well, there is a uh, particular director who we are uh, familiar with his particular work that um, that came out just this past year that uh, it's been announced that he's going to be involved in another film project. Aha. Uh-huh. Indeed. This would be Mr. Mark Osborne, director of The Little Prince mm-hmm. and the original Kung Fu Panda and uh, veteran of Spongebob Squarepants, among other things. Yes. Um, he is signed on to direct the feature adaptation of Jeff Smith's Bone, uh, the independent comic series that ran from... Oh, yeah, ni- it was, uh, I think it was 19... no. 1991 19... and 19... 1991, 2004, I believe? Yes. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. And I have to say... I am not familiar with the the property myself, but I do know it is very acclaimed. And they've been trying to turn it into a movie for years. Uh, there was going to be one like, in the late 90s by Nickelodeon. Um, apparently Jeff Smith himself um, didn't like the way that they were taking it. Like they were going to put songs by NSYNC in it or something, and he didn't like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, well... Glad, glad he stood by that because I, I, I'm, I'm relatively familiar with these characters in this uh, story, but not as much as I probably should be. Because I, I feel like I'm looking at the designs of the characters, and I feel like in the back of my brain, like I see their, I see the designs, and I get like this re- like little tickle of familiarity. It's like I know I've seen these characters before, and I know I've seen them in both the comics and um, some kind of other animated format. I don't think it was a movie. There it was a game. A, I'm sorry? There was a game a couple of years ago, or that a few might, years ago. That might be one of the reasons I recognize them. But it's just been so long. But it's If there's anyone I would trust with a film of this particular format, I would trust Mark Osborne with it. And it's going to be done at Warner Brothers, uh, who are really pushing out the boat with animation at the moment. Uh not just Lego stuff anymore. <laughs> so, yes, and uh, Lynn Pictures and Animal Logic from the Lego Movie, I believe, are working on this yeah. as well. Yeah, Animal Logic are over in Australia, and they made the Lego Movie, and they're making Lego Batman and <laughs> Lego Lego 
Ninjago, and because there's going to be the whole Lego Cinematic Universe, obviously now. Oh, wondrous! But, but it's good that they are branching out from just not just doing Lego movies. So. Well, yeah, it seems like that studio's got a really good hand at of uh, like the. It, it makes sense that they would make ties with a uh, uh, Warner Animation because that's really kind of like that snappy kind of cartoon style animation and humor seems that like that's their uh their strong suit and i think that this you know at least with this particular kind of story set up in characters that might actually really work to their advantage to try and bring that to life yeah this looks this sounds like an interesting bit of news and i am looking forward to hearing more information about it and any at some point when they feel like they can tell us more about it Yes, so we'll be keeping an eye on this, so watch this space. Um, Also, in the world of animation, uh, we have seen now the the long list of the films that will be uh, that are being submitted uh, to be nominated for the Best Animated Feature Oscar. Yeah. Um, And it is a record-breaking 27 films are submitted. That doesn't mean that any of them will be nominated. It just means that they are eligible. Um, but it is more than have been eligible in any other year, apparently. Jeez, so. twenty-seven films. That's just woof. That is a lot of. That is a lot of movies. And these are all just. These are just. These are just feature films. They're not shorts mm-hmm. or anything. Goodness gracious. I mean, it's just goes to show you how good of a year it's been for animation and how many, you know moviegoers have been clamoring, you know, to see these so many of these animated films that have, you know, broken records this year, this past year to, you know, push to get them recognized for what they did. I was thinking back actually to when I think I think it might have just been you and Dan did it. Um like a you're talking about um like looking ahead to the Yes, year. I re- I remember that episode. We were talking about um looking ahead to the next year and see, you know, what expectations we had of uh, what kind of a year it was going to be for uh, animation <laughs> uh, filmmaking in uh, in 2016. And, uh, well, can't say it ended up exactly like we thought, but it uh, I'm happy the way it ended up. <laughs> I seem to remember Dan, actually. I'm not, not really sure there's much to be excited about. And it turned out to be, like, the best year for animation. <laughs> Well, to be um, fair, to be fair, um, with a lot of the animated films that were supposed to be coming out this year, I think at that time at least we only had a limited amount of information on um, what they were going to be about. And you know, sometimes when you all, all you have is just a couple tra- uh, teasers or trailers to go on, it's really you know it's it's hard to judge what the whole film is going to be like until you actually see the whole film. And it just turned out that a lot of the films that came out this year. Um, once we did see them, turned out to be a lot more impressive than we may have originally given them credit for. So, hey, it was a happy surprise. <laughs> Whereas I can say I had I have had to look ahead to next year, and um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's Lego Batman movies coming out. Um, it's about it. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, it's really hard to it's, it's again, it's hard to say as of right now what kind of stuff's going might be coming out of the woodwork because I think there chances are I'm sure a lot of the, the new um 
maybe movies that are going to be lining up for next year are probably not going to be announced or at least, you know, being, uh, or showing teaser trailers at least until we get through, like, midway through December or, like, just before the new year. That's what my guess is because they have to wait for Star Wars to move on. (laughs) Yeah, okay. The thing is that there doesn't seem to be much in the way of the big studio fair that looks interesting next mm-hmm. year from my perspective at least but there's always like indie features uh, coming out for people like G-Kids and stuff that we that we won't know ahead heads of time necessarily very far mm-hmm. and um, that's that's probably where the more interesting stuff will be and this year has been insanely good for both the big studio fair and the independent things because you know we've had the, the two Disney films we haven't seen Moana yet but yeah but that's, that's heard, coming up soon I've heard it's quite good uh, <laughs> <laughs> as have I um, and obviously Zootopia is fantastic and Finding Dory is very good and Kubo and Two Strings and I still haven't seen Kung Fu Panda 3 haven't caught up yet but I know you said that's very good and Little Prince and you know these are just the um, these are just the big studio things and uh, then there's going to be uh, like all the the smaller films like April and Extraordinary World and uh, Long Way North Miss Hokusai and Your Name mm-hmm. uh, and Red Turtle so it's going to be so competitive to Ethel get in Ernest. that, that list. Ethel and Ernest. Is that on the list? No, it's not on the list. It's not. Uh, I wonder if it's because it's going to be well, it hasn't been shown in the US yet. Uh, mm. Perhaps it'll qualify for next year, or perhaps it won't because it's going to be on TV at Christmas in the UK apparently. So. I want to see it. Yeah, so do I. Although I think it's gonna hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm already predicting. What about um, is life as a my life as a courgette on there on that list? It is yes! under the okay, title good. of my life as a zucchini, but it is also <laughs> being it is also being submitted as best foreign film as the official um entry for Switzerland. Sweet. Uh, and Fanta Boys also on the list. Yeah! God, I want that on DVD so bad. Sausage Party is... I'm going to I'm gonna put put a guess out there that considering it's voted for uh, nominations by the animation and short film branch that the animation community may be not look terribly kind on that film based on the treatment of the animators allegedly yes yes I agree so I would be surprised if it was nominated but we'll wait and all, see it'll be one of the Disney films that wins anyway <laughs> so and to be fair Disney's kind of knocked it out of the park this year with uh, Zootopia and um, then we'll have to wait and see what how Moana fares in comparison but it's like we've said from what we have heard thus far from people who've seen the movie early it's been generally good reviews so we'll have to just wait and see when the film is released later on 
Um, I believe it's Thanksgiving over here, and um, when are you get guys getting it in the UK? December the 2nd? So oh, so not, not too terribly long, but still. No. But, yeah, it'll just be... The thing is, they're really good. The Disney and Pixar films, they're brilliant. Everyone agrees. It's just the fact that they win every time because people don't actually bother to watch any of the others. That's yeah. what is kind of depressing. They just go, uh, my kid liked that one. I go to that one. <laughs> like you should, you should go see My Life is, uh, Cor- I almost said zucchini, and it should be courgette. I am sorry. Um, <laughs> you should see My Life is a courgette. You should see um, Phantom Boy. You should see all these other really great. Like I was blown away when I had the opportunity to see uh, Boy in the World. I know that got um an Oscar nomination as well. I think it was that it was last year, right? Yeah, well this year, yeah, yeah. Oh no, this that was this year as well. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Oh, this it was it was nominated this year. Yeah, so was, yeah. There so you go. I mean more people Whatever. should see that movie because my god, that movie. <laughs> that is that is uh you would think considering how the Academy is normally, you know, looks at live action films, you'd think that'd be a shoe in for the kind of, like, artistically out there sort of style that most of the, uh, like, the big, uh, live-action feature films would get praised for. But, uh, no, it's because Disney just knows how to not only produce good work, but also make it really gosh-darn marketable. So, (laughs) when it's marketable, more people can see it, and that leads to more and more wins. So, well, at least they know what they're doing. I'm kind of divided. I'm not sure who's going to win because I think on one point, like Moana will have just come out <laughs> when they're voting, and most of the voters are getting up there in age and probably don't remember the film that came out last March. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it'll be—I fre- mean, it'll be fresh in their memory, is what I'm saying, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Also, I think it's more typically what they think. I know it's pushing boundaries in a lot of ways, but it's more typically Disney, I think, that they might go for that. But at the same time, I think I think Zootopia's message this year, I think at this particular time in history, I think its message is kind of... Yeah. It's I important. It's very, I, very important to keep in mind. I think... I can see the Academy kind of sending some messages in their voting this year. I don't know what I'm talking about. Obviously, I'm it's, not alluding to anything uh, it's all, that might be happening anywhere. I hope you'll forgive us. We're just going through some light speculation. But yes. as though whatever happens... So we we'll all, just stick by that. We always say that in the world of animation, that a nomination is kind of a win at the Oscars because it's been picked by the animators themselves, and 
they're, we're more interest, kind of more interested in what gets nominated than what wins at the end of the day. Because exactly. We kind of know what's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been a, a very common track record with the Academy in the past couple years. You know, I would say almost over a decade now. But it's, you know, it's they've got their. It, it's got its own trends going, and but with, that doesn't mean that we can't pick our own winners. It's, it's down to at least we know it's down to three. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Anyways, are there any other news stories that are? That have come through the uh, the rumor mill or the just the news mill, I should say. Well, I did mention briefly in the, the qualifying uh, films your name, which is the new Makoto Shinkai film that has been tearing up the box office in Japan and is now, I think, I think the eighth most successful film in Japanese box office history and the f- fourth biggest anime movie, I think. Wow. Well, there so been very successful and just it's getting reviews uh all over the shop just from mainstream places just falling in love with it i mean we've published a review ourselves written by mark that was very good when he saw it at the london film festival he he enjoyed it greatly as well but um it is coming out in the uk first um before america that is um and it is being released by anime limited and it's uh, it is hitting cinemas uh, across the country from the 24th of November, but they actually ended up pulling it forward a bit, and it start, it's oh, basically as we speak, it is in several cinemas in like bigger cities in the UK at the moment, hmm. and then it's going to wide widen out to over I think 180 screens or something, and wow. it's, it's getting quite a big release which is pretty impressive and it's good to see and they also have released the English language trailer because uh, so you can see the dub for the first time which uh, is what's going to be released in which is going to be released in the US as well via Funimation at some point okay but, cool but we don't have a date for that yet uh, um, I can I'm even though I really do want to see it I'm I'm more than willing to wait a little bit longer because that'll just give me more time to prepare <laughs> for when it does come over, finally come overseas and I can go to the theater. I'm not sure if that'll be... Uh, my guess is they'll probably do a similar release like they did with, say, maybe the, if it's Funimation doing it, they might do a similar promotion and try to get it uh, to a, a limited, you know, theater release across the country like they did before and... And if, that, if they do that, that means it'll come to my local theater, and that means I'll be able to see it, and yay. I'm excited. <laughs> well, because they have submitted it for consideration for Oscars, they might be planning on releasing it at a time that, if it did get nominated, it could take advantage of the publicity. But I can't really see it getting in in this particular year I think mm-hmm. uh, well, considering how crowded yeah. the nominations are already because I kind of feel like if anything's going to get in from the non-mainstream things it's probably going to be a red turtle mm-hmm. uh, but you know I think we said that last year I think we said oh there's no way that any of the smaller films are going to get nominated this year and, and then, then we, we were got, wrong then two two and like 
Was it right that Good Dinosaur didn't get nominated? Was that right? Um, I think it got, yeah, it got nominated because I think it was, um, I'm, I'm not sure. No, I'm thinking, I mean, it wasn't for, it wasn't for the, um, Oscars. It was, it was nominated for something else. Mm, yeah. Because I think, you know, just assumed it could be nominated because it was Pixar and, and it didn't. That, yeah. Because, obviously, Inside Out. the boat on that one. Yeah. Inside Out won, obviously. Yeah. But, Yes, so you can check out the trailer for your name in English now. So there you go. Woohoo! And if you're in the UK, you can check out, see if it's playing near you. And no, it's not. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that that is. Um, right, so those are the big use. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, isn't there one more that you're forgetting? I think it has something to do with a particular, um, another Japanese animation of a uh, wily thief. A gentleman thief, you might say. Gentleman thief, yes, indeed. Yeah, this is going back a little bit, but um, there was a, what I would say is a very exciting announcement from the folks at Discotech, and that is that they are going to be releasing Lupin the Third at Part 4, which is the most recent... 2015 series that was co-production with Italy and has been available on Crunchyroll for a while and is very 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 cool um, is being released on Blu-ray and DVD in the States and they released a little teaser where you get to see the um, get to see the English version because this is the first time I think the discotheque have commissioned a dub of their own hmm. um, and it is reuniting most of the cast from the the previous dub of Lupin uh, from the TV series Part 2 that was shown on Toonami a little while back. Quite a while back at this point, I guess. Um, <laughs> so it's Tony Oliver as, as Lupin himself and uh, Michelle Ruff as Fujiko and... Um, Richard Epcar as uh, Jingin, I believe, and he is the the voice. He's the voice. He's I mean the voice of Jingin, and also he's doing the. He was directing the dub, I think. Oh really? Right? Yeah, Richard Epcar. Uh, he's direct directed the dub, and we knew that this was being done a little while ago because basically Richard Epcar said, "I'm directing the dub of Lupin the Third Part 4 and everyone was like. But who's releasing it? Um, and we did know a little while back that it's getting a UK release from Anime Limited, but we didn't know where it's coming out in the US. And now we do. Yeah. And it's going to be released in, I think, uh, several box sets, because uh, I think they're releasing it over at least two. Mm-hmm. Um, so you probably get about 13 episodes in each set or so, or 12 because I think it's a 26-episode season. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong. Yeah, so you said that they have uh, basically the entire, almost the entire original cast for, that they had for the, the Toonami dub. And the, yes. Uh, that's, that's wild. I'm trying to wrap my brain around that because it's it seems like that's that's not the first time I've seen that happen. Like I mentioned before, and we were always discussing uh, Digimon Try, that part of the surrealism of watching that film was uh, the fact that 
somehow, some way, they got a majority, or at least a vast majority of all the actors that they had from the original dub of uh, Digimon onto that particular movie, and for my understanding, we'll, be, we'll continue to do for the other uh, following releases for Digimon Try. So the fact that, you know, a lot of these groups are going out of their way to try and find the original uh, voices of these characters, at least their initial, you know, appearances in uh, English, are, you know, making that extra effort to get them back, and that's, it's so cool to to hear and see it, you know, with these new newer releases. Yeah, Funimation did the same thing when they released uh, Helsing Ultimate, I believe. They got most of the original crew back from the original Helsing, which is very good. Because mm-hmm. obviously that's not their usual usual dubber crew, because they do most of their dubs in-house. Yeah. Oh, uh, and speaking of dub news, we, didn't, we haven't reported on the podcast for the fact that, unsurprisingly, Funimation announced that, yes, they also have the rights for Dragon Ball Super, and yes, they are doing a dub. Yeah! So, <laughs> yes. Did you not know? I assumed, but I was you just missed. waiting for the announcement. Oh, you missed the announcement, yeah. I missed it, yes, but I figured as soon as... I figured as soon as it was started streaming on Crunchyroll, it was only a matter of time. But now I'm really, I'm really kind of curious to see how they're gonna go about dubbing this series, because I'm just... It's weird, because it used to be, when I started watching Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, I just got so used to hearing the dub voices that they did, both um, in the original Ocean Group and then when Funimation jumped on board and took over the dubbing. I just got so used to hearing those voices, so when I first heard the voices in Japanese, I was just really thrown off by how Goku sounded. I mean, not that uh, the seiyuu for uh, Goku is bad by any means. She's a phenomenal actress. Yeah, but she's a a she. She's a she. When I was so used to hearing Sean... uh, Sean Chemmel's voice coming out of Goku for so long, and it was... (laughs) It was a little strange, but, um, yeah, so I was you know, just so used to hearing the dub, uh, Funimation dub of, uh, the characters, so I just got so used to hearing those voices that I just kind of, whenever I was given opportunity to watch anything, whether that be the, uh, the new box set releases or, uh, Dragon Ball Z Kai, I would just, you know, opt for the dub. But now, it's obviously with Super, the only voices that they have right now is it's only in Japanese with subtitles, which has been a really interesting experience to kind of get an idea of how those voices sound in the Japanese and just how the different, you know, different ways of performing the characters in the different, you know, in, in the original language. And it's it's been kind of awesome being able to kind of get a chance to really listen and appreciate those uh, the voice talents that they brought back for the uh, Japanese cast. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be weird since I've gotten used to hearing this in Japanese and uh, to just go back and bring in the, uh, the Funimation crew to do the dub and just I'll have to get used to it all over again but you know what I'm I'm excited to uh, put this to the test there's we're waiting for more details I think about the when the dub's going to be available but they've they've started streaming the subtitled version of Funimation now in America as well mm-hmm. um, it's not in the UK I think because I think you could only get it on Daisuke in the UK at the moment, uh, just because regional differences, etc. But you can still you can still watch it. So yeah, <laughs> I'll, 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 tell you, I'll tell you how it is. I'll tell you how it is now that I'm actually able to watch 
the full length episodes in full. So mm. if you want to hear my be... thoughts and feelings on that, then stay tuned for the water cooler. <laughs> and um, yes, so there we go. That's lots of news. Um, but also a couple of trailers came out that we wanted to to mention. I think. Uh, yeah, just a, just a few. Well, there are a couple of live action trailers that are adapted from animated originals that we thought were worth mentioning. And the first one is Beauty and the Beast, which I have not seen as yet, but I know Rachel, you you rather enjoyed. I did because I was a lot of my enjoyment from this film was really kind of hanging on how they were going to design the uh, the beast. And how they were going to portray him, and when in this in this um in this trailer they do reveal him and what he's going to look like, and obviously it's a bit different than um how he looked in the animated film. But I think as far as you know, trying to um you know computer generate you know a as similar uh, model as they possibly could to what they had in the original animated, uh, Disney animated film. So, I mean, it's, it's, if you really look at the design, it's a lot of, they take a lot of similar elements from that original character design and put that into this, uh, into this film. And so it, it feels like you're looking at the same character just in a more realistic setting, which is what I think that they're trying to go for with this film and with all these remakes. So if that's the case, then, you know, two thumbs way way up for that one because that's that's really really well done and good attention to detail and you know a good combination of elements to make this character feel the same and even other little details like um obviously uh emma watson have we've i have been singing her praises since she was announced as uh bell for this movie and i have been given no reason to doubt her performance the more uh, you see of her in this particular trailer. But also, another nice little nod, or at least a little uh, bit of new information in this trailer that I really appreciated was you actually get to see other of the um, characters, uh, the servants of the castle who have been put under the curse. You see Lumiere, you see Cogsworth, you see Mrs. Potts, you see Chip. They're all here. And... Again, they're all animated, obviously, um, for uh, the computer-generated animation. But um, it's, at least, again, with the designs, they very much, like, you look at Lumiere, and he's a far more elegant-looking candlestick set, or, you know, like a a branching candlestick holder than I, you know, he would first appear in the animated film. They really went into a lot of detailing with uh, his design and... uh, you see Cogsworth pop up and start moving and walking, and it looks like there you can see into like his little, like you see you can see the gears behind his little door, <laughs> and it's it's and with uh, Mrs. Potts, you get a good close up of her. Um, you know her; she's she's a pot, and you can see like the fine like detailing on her china, like the little paint that you would see on uh, like a china teapot. It moves <laughs> when she talks. Nice. So it, it's. It's kind of surreal looking at some of these things because they look like things that would exist in real life. Or you could, like, buy if you went to, like, this really lavish, um, antique, like, you know, store to find all, like, you know, like, a really nice clock, like, old clock or a 
candelabra or a china teapot and like you could just pick them up with your hands and just you know take them home with you if you wanted but just they they feel like like real concrete things and i think that's so far with this movie that's what's you know at least in regards to animation that's probably one of the most impressive things that i've seen not only just the fact that they were able to go out of their way to make sure that the beast felt similar to the same character we've all grown and we've all grown to love but also the uh, other side characters to make them feel like, you know, there are these real and inanimate objects that have just inexplicably come to life. So, yeah, that's, um, color me impressed. I mean, I was always, uh, had uh, higher expectations for this particular remake than I have with some remakes past, though, you know, obviously I've said The Jungle Book was an incredibly present, pleasant surprise on how well done it was. So I'm really hoping they're just going to keep the ball rolling with this particular release and uh, just find a new way to tell this story that in a in this particular form that just really breathes new life into it. So yeah, if you have an opportunity to check it out and you're you're still unsure or on the fence on how you feel about it, I highly recommend checking out this trailer. I would say probably this is the last trailer to see before like if they release anything after this then they might go into into a bit more spoiler territory so just leave it th- leave it at this trailer before going into the actual movie because i think they just that it shows off everything that needs to be seen i think i might be the only person who hasn't watched it though because apparently it got the highest number of views in 24 hours of any trailer <laughs> ever or something so i'm sure there are other people who haven't had the opportunity <laughs> to see it yeah you're not the only one and the other very different uh, trailer based on an animated film uh, was the first full length trailer for the Ghost in the Shell live action film uh, yes yes, which I have to give it credit is looking very close to the source material in a lot of ways yeah there are a lot um, of um, scenes or images from the original Ghost in the Shell movie which um, made it made their way into this particular trailer and brought to life um, in in live action, which was different to see, but um, not all terrible. People have shown like uh, comparisons of the um, of specific shots and things, and it is you know, and that film is quite ingrained probably in my brain at this point. I've seen it many times, uh, not for a long time actually though, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and. I think that people are impressed by that but I would also say that it does make me think of the Watchmen film which was a film that perfectly captured the visuals of the source material in a lot of ways but it's made by someone who did not understand it I would argue and it completely missed the spirit of it and it was Zack Snyder so what do you expect well Um, yeah I I have to agree with you there because I do I mean you you notice if you are familiar with the Ghost in the Shell um, the original movie or um, even some of the um, other other themes it's I guess I'm kind of uh, watching this trailer kind of gave me a bit of a uh, both a visual a bit of a visual clash because a lot of like we said a lot of those visuals um that they use in this trailer were from the original um ghost in the shell movie but in terms of the st- 
story and what we're going to be, uh, the ride that we're going to be taking on with this particular Ghost in the Shell film seems not, I mean, they're obviously taking a different, uh, different approach to the story, um, because I think they might be following more, might would have been the story with the anime series that followed it, less than the actual, you know, original film, which I find intriguing. If you're going to include images that were distinctive from the original film, then you're going to confuse your audience in thinking that, oh, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be a live-action version of the original film, when in reality it's going to have a lot of other elements from the other, from the show, from any of the other, uh, you know, ties to the Ghost in the Shell world and characters, which is a little yeah, jarring. Well, originally I was under the impression, I thought I'd heard that they were, they were using the Puppet Master story again, uh, which is the specific story of the original movie, and mm-hmm. is also one of the stories from the original manga, but I have recently heard that they are incorporating lots of elements from the, from the two TV series as well. So they are cherry-picking elements from um, different Ghost and Shell incarnations, which is probably a, a smart thing to do, but... It's also, it can also be dangerous, because if you try to include too many elements like that, especially from one from a movie and another from a show, that can get a little... A little... What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Just crowded, or a little too busy. Mm-hmm in a movie that then you'll have too many plot threads bouncing around and you'll have to make sure that they they're really super ironed out in order to sync with each other and of course we do also have to say that uh it's really obvious watching the trailer uh, how everything is japanese everything's asian influenced everything apart from the main cast and it does it just really sticks out and it just looks kind of glaring and you can't help but think <laughs> yeah obviously uh, there's been a lot of bone of contention for a lot of people mm-hmm. and they've got they've got a good point because it, it, it does clash it does it it, it it does severely clash with I mean, the whole setting if they decided to relocate it to the US uh which they've talked about doing before, um, like with Akira, they were going to say say it's set in New Manhattan, and if you're going to do that, people, you know, you're at least going to say, well, we're not going to have main characters called Kaneda and Tetsuo and stuff. Um, but if you're going to keep the original setting and keep character names and everything, and just go, ah, oh, yeah, but she's white now. <laughs> it's just. It's it a just... really bad position to be in, at least in terms of, as far as filmmaking goes, because you're gonna have you're you're gonna have two groups of people. You're gonna have people who are just like, okay, just kind of do your own thing and just make as good of a film as you possibly can, and just just keep it consistent, keep it together. Whereas you're gonna have um, the people who are more familiar with the you know the existing property, you know, Ghost in the Shell, the original movie, the TV shows, and all that, and when they hear that it's going to be a Ghost in the Shell movie, they're going to want to see as many things from the television show, the names of the characters, the same settings, all of that stuff. They're going to want to see that brought to life, and they're going to fight tooth and nail for that, and they aren't going to let you forget about it. So you can try to please as many people as you can, but it's... I've noticed with a lot of movies that have tried to do, to make the best of worlds, both of worlds, um... There have been some successes with that occasionally, but more often than not, I see 
things kind of just get lost in the shuffle and in the end it doesn't end up it doesn't end up pleasing anybody which is really unfortunate because you know hey that's i can understand why you just like you want to make sure that everyone has something to you know can find something that they enjoy in a movie like this but you really really have to be careful it's it's you know because it's such a long lasting and you know long loved property you know people who are that passionate about it are not going to take any small changes lying down well at least it does give me the excuse to write about ghost in the shell and talk about ghost in the shell and i yeah, mean the original what, what and the it a good property to begin with so i expect that we could probably do a ghost in the shell episode around the time it comes out of the original that is that That'd will give me an excuse to see more because I believe it or not, I have other than the original movie, I have not seen anything else related to it. The TV series is awesome. Um, so I and, hear. Yes. Um, interestingly enough, though, um, there's a little bit in the trailer, and I don't know if they're just they're just pat, they're just teasing or whatever, but there's a random bit where she. Um, I think it's a, a cyborg or something. Uh, the 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 character, the major, who's played by Scarlett Johansson, uh, is seen giving a little smooch to a lady android, and that did this. That there was an interesting thought that in because it's actually canon in the Ghost in the Shell franchise that the major is at least not entirely straight. So okay. And it's like, are they actually gonna include that in the film, or are they? You see, just... there you go. That's that's an interesting element to include. Or are they just going, hey, let, let's just put that bit in for a bit of titillation or whatever? I don't well, know. Well, it it really, with a trailer, we won't know for sure until we actually get and see the movie. So, and let's just leave that to everyone's imagination. If it's actually paying tribute to the source material, thumbs up. That's awesome. If not, then what the hell are you doing? Yeah, so it, I'm I'm so very conflicted about it because she she, does, she looks pretty good as the major, obviously, because she's Scarlett Johansson, and that's kind of yeah. <laughs> no, I mean in terms of if that particular that caliber of actress, I know she could pull it off just fine. It's it's just the whole people are you know again it's the whole part of the setting and trying to keep the setting authentic and making sure everyone looks the part is just, uh, I think people are getting really caught up in. So let's just, I'm, I'm, I'm of the camp that just like, okay, I understand why people are upset about the whole, you know, casting choices, but I still enjoy Scarlett Johansson enough as an actress to want to see how she portrays the character. If she stays true to the character, I'm fine with it. And if I could, I, there's anyone I would trust to pull off a character like that she's she's proven herself time and again so well, the thing is they might not have actually been able to make it without her they might have used her as the selling point to the, to get the budget which is sad as the way it is but yeah i i was thinking actually they actually did an uh, a live action film with blood the last vampire and i remembered that they actually you know they kept that had an asian lead like it should have and hmm that film wasn't that great and it didn't do very well and I don't think it was don't think it was like a major Hollywood production I think it might have been a co-production even but you can do it you know it's possible it is it is 
totally possible. And I'm sure some people will point out at this point that they're doing a live action Full Metal Alchemist and they've changed all the characters into Japanese people when in the original they're not. But it's different. It's totally different, so don't even go there. (laughs) (sighs) You see, this... Uh, if we have anyone who is in the Hollywood industry possibly listening to this, I have to say right away, you, like I said before, with Ghost of the Shell, if you are going to touch a Japanese animated property like Full Metal Alchemist, Ghost of the Shell, or what have you, you better be as careful as you can because there are fan bases around these things that will eat you alive. <laughs> Indeed. Because they are that passionate about these worlds and these characters that it's just you can't just adapt it to film. It's it's mm. it's not that easy. But maybe it, I'm being too cynical. So yeah, that Ghost in the Shell is coming out March twenty seventeen, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll keep an open mind. It's still disappointing about the casting issue and everything, but as we said, keep an open mind as much as we can, you know, as long as you can get over that. If you can't get over it, then we totally understand, mm-hmm. and things need to improve, obviously. But, but Part taking of making it on your voices heard is how things get changed, but remember, if you're going to voice your opinion on these particular issues do so in a responsible and polite way do not just say this sucks because that then no one will take you seriously indeed so that's those trailers and do we want to just do it a quick water cooler section yeah uh, why not I've, about... been, I've got a i've had a couple things uh stewing around that it might be worth talking about awesome do you want to go first or shall i um uh, you go first okay um I find I recently was able to catch up with the French animated film Long Way North. Oh yes, I believe I saw your uh, review on that particular film. I can't say I've seen it, had the opportunity to see it, but it does sound really interesting. It actually, the director of it uh, worked as a assistant director on Song, uh, no, not Song of the Sea, uh, Secret of Cows, and has worked with Cartoon Saloon in the past, and it is a two D animated film I think it might even be done on Flash or similar software and uh, it's got a very interesting look Uh, they decided not to feature any dark outlines of the characters so it's just like basically the only lines are pretty much noses and (laughs) all the other (laughs) everything else is um, and that creates an interesting look the backgrounds look a bit flat to be honest they don't look so great uh, in and when it's about a young daughter of a Rus- Russian aristocrat, uh, or aristocrat, however you say it. Um, you you said it right. Yeah, in pre-revolutionary Russia, and uh, her grandfather was like an Arctic explorer and adventurer, and he went he he got lost on his mission and presumed dead, um, and his boat was presumed sink, pre- presumed to have sunk. But she's convinced that it didn't sink because it was unsinkable, and she wants to basically uh, save her family's name. So she runs away and runs to the and basically gets on on a boat with some sailors and go. They go on a mission to try and find the boat because there's a 
big reward if you find the boat. Um, yeah, it's really good. She's a plucky heroine, and um, the animation is very interesting, and it's an interesting story and everything. But uh, like I said, the backgrounds are not the best looking, and so when you get to like the big sweeping vistas of the Arctic, they don't quite look as brilliant as perhaps they should. Hmm. Is um, it like a is it like a storybook kind of like paper cutout kind of backgrounds style, just like with the characters like moving on top of them or in between them? Is it makes it look weird? I think the backgrounds just kind of look like. They look to me sort of like digital, really. Um, okay. Like, like they've just been like scanned into a computer and had the 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 like have been like. There's a look that you get if you like put a photo in Flash and you trace the bit you call trace bitmap, mm. and it sort of flattens it and it, they look kind of like that. Um, okay. But it's it does some really effective stuff. Like um, it creates a great. Uh, it does it made me feel cold I, I thought at places when it was doing doing the arctic winds and everything and the, that was really effective well yeah that, that, I mean yeah. it's arctic you're supposed to feel cold yeah so that worked um, and it does it does kind of do something that's a pet peeve of mine which is when you have a really strong female character and then, then at one point you have a point where they have to be saved by one of the men and it's like oh don't do that I hate it when you do that (laughs) I believe um I've heard that I've heard this before I think uh uh very funny uh comedian slash reviewer believe I believe he dubbed this phrase this uh, particular trope a long time ago um uh Doug Walker um I believe I remember him calling this the dumbass in distress disorder (laughs) (laughs) where this really strong independent woman she's gonna kick your butt and then oh no she needs to be saved and she forgot everything thing that she used to do to protect herself all of her ingenuity and uh gusto was just sucked out of her for the purpose of the story yeah that that annoyed me when they did it in Coraline especially as the character who saved her isn't even in the book so that annoyed me (laughs) yeah um yeah but other than that it is long way north it's definitely worth watching uh I would say one of the strong points of it is not the voice acting. Uh, it's got, I mean, it was written in French, so you can watch the subtitle version. But the dub is quite poor. It just, it kind. There's sometimes dubs just don't sound like any effort's really been put into them. Like, you just get the impression that maybe it was done by people in the office. They're like, oh no, we haven't done a dub, and we've got to put this out. Uh, Dave, are, are you busy? <laughs> do you do you fancy being the main character of this? This is just a cartoon. Don't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing when we see a lot of you know there are a lot of really talented you know voice actors and, and you know groups that do voice work quite often and do it very well to see them succeed. And then when you have it across a poor dub, it's just like where do these people come from? How did this happen? This is unusual. So I was going to switch over to... I did switch over to the original version. And actually, this this might sound quite weird uh, in, when you're watching a subtitle film, but I kind of felt it was the same. I felt like it was like maybe it was a um, deliberate style they were going for hmm. that just sounded quite sort of monotone and 
flat and everything. So it's I didn't. Possible it was a stylistic choice, but it's really hard to know for certain. Perhaps they. I mean, one of the things about the dubs is uh, it, it's it's, uh, it's it's British accented, even though obviously they're Russian characters or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I I always find that hilarious when they say what a character is one ethnicity and then you hear a different accent coming out of them. It's just like I it's like I don't understand. Well, the the Hollywood system is that anything historical you have a British accent. Uh, it doesn't matter what country you're from, even if you're from ancient China, or whatever. Just just if it's old, it sounds British. That's because that's that's how it is. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. The, the voice acting isn't its strong point but it's it's definitely worth checking out uh, annoyingly you can't get a Blu-ray of it in the UK you can only get DVD uh, but I think the Blu-ray and DVD and digital versions are out in America from Shroud Factory if you want to check that out So, and it is on it is on the long list for has been submitted for the Oscars and it did win a um, I think it won the Audience Award at Annecy uh like not this year but last year uh, so mm. it's got some acclaim and it's worth checking out uh, not the best film I've ever seen but it's good where it's did good. you see it was it on DVD or yeah I saw it on DVD okay uh, is it widely is it a widely available movie to to see uh, it's a fairly small label in the UK released it um, in America it's Shout Factory uh, so you should be able to pick that up from Amazon or whatever anywhere. Okay, cool. Or rent it if you've got a rental service. Um and it's it, I would say it's definitely worth watching in H D to see that animation. Uh it was a bit disappointed I get disappointed when I have to settle for standard definition like some pleb <laughs> And the other thing I've been watching is an anime series called the perfect insider which Ooh. is which is a a i like when you come across an anime series that is just obviously there's lots of different storylines everything in anime but a lot of things do rely on certain tropes like you have high school stories and you get a special character who's the chosen one or whatever so it's always nice to shake things up every now and again and I mean, for starters, the main character in this—they're uh, just a bit old, slightly older than the average. Because there's a um, one of the main characters is like a university professor, and uh, the other main characters, she's uh, she keeps telling everyone she's nearly twenty. Uh, so <laughs> and she's like the she's the uh, his assistant, uh, and she she rather likes him, and uh, <laughs> but there is it's 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 a thriller basically and a mystery um and it revolves around uh, what seems to be a murder of someone who is in a a locked room where they have been for 15 years um with no one coming in or going out but somehow they seem to have been murdered hmm that's a very intriguing premise for a mystery and basically there is the pretty much the whole series is trying to find out what's what's happened and are how there this... any supernatural elements to it or is it just a straight up like as realistic as realistic as they could possibly make it just really unusual circumstances there's they're sort of i i think they're more sort of 
sci-fi elements rather than supernatural. Um, okay. Because um, there's like a, a virtual reality thing, and they're talking talking to people in the virtual reality thing. There's, it's not, it's not what you'd call a full-on sci-fi, but there's sort okay. of like light science fiction, like a a realistic world just with more science fiction like elements to it. I was trying to think what I would compare it to, and they're sort of a similar. I did well, the first thing I thought was I suppose you could kind of compare it to Death Note in that it's like it's not like you know it's sort of intellectual people going up against each other. It's not fights and action and everything. It's it's sort of all internal and going through dialogue and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. More cerebral kind yeah. of story. That's the word, yeah. Um, but it also, I also thought, out out of silo anime actually reminded me a bit of. Um, I've read the the original novel series that the movie Ring was based on, mm-hmm. which are very different. Uh, written by Koji Suzuki, I believe was the the guy's name, um, and the first book is mainly like the. Um, the movie but there's there's some really different elements like uh one of the reasons that the spirit becomes vengeful is uh, that it turns out that she was a hermaphrodite and got tormented for it and stuff like that and it's it goes into some weird places but mm-hmm. the books after that go in a completely different direction to the films hmm. in, to a really weird sci-fi area that is nothing like the the films or the American adaptation at all. Um, I don't know whether I should say. <laughs> I don't know if people <laughs> are going to read it. Should I do a, just do a spoiler warning and say because it's if you want to, dude. Because it turns out at one point that all the bits in the first book, I think, it, I think it's revealed in the second book or the third book that all the, those events take part place in a simulation. Of, hmm. And like the character discovers they're in a simulation, um, huh? Which is really out there, but yeah, that's like Matrix level out there. Yeah, but I I thought it's it's. I'm not saying that this turns out to be a simulation or anything. I don't. I haven't finished it yet. Um, <laughs> but but it did. It reminded me a bit of that in that it's. It's like a Japanese take on a mystery that is completely like alien to to the normal Western way of things doing things, and it's mm-hmm. like you wouldn't see this in something like a CSI or whatnot. No, no. There's there's a similarity of a, a an old British TV series called Jonathan Creek, where it was always like a there's an impossible murder, like someone in a in a locked room or something, because mm-hmm. he was. He he was the he was a magician's assistant who designed all the illusions. So he, that's how he he knew how to solve them. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's my weird UK reference of the week, Jonathan Creek. <laughs> uh, there's, but it's not like that at all. Apart from the locked room mystery thing, um, and the other thing is that the animation style is quite interesting. It's a bit more, it's a bit more realistic, sort of. Okay, so like um, I'm, I'm thinking like because uh, when you said you already compared it to Death Note in at least in kind of sort of in terms of style, so mm. would you say the animations a bit similar in terms of like it? Because yeah, Death yeah, Note was say. still a bit exaggerated in in certain ways, but 
as far as just and as far as animation goes, it was still kind of um, it seemed very down to earth. So you would say you, yeah. this animation is very down to earth as well. Yeah, it's it's more and it's got kind of a distinctive look, but it's more yeah down to earth, I'd say. Okay. And the other thing is, it's one of the rare series where I haven't uh, I've not skipped the credits after like the first couple of episodes. I, I've actually left them on every week because really. They had, I I like the theme music, it's quite good. <laughs> the, the, the opening and the closing, and also the animation on the intro, it it's kind of weird in comparison to the show when you think about it. But it's um, it features like some of the characters uh, dancing around, but in they're they're in like um, they're in like uh, outline versions, sketch versions, and um, oh okay, and it's quite nice and fluid and everything, and uh, I. I was just impressed with the animation and everything of the intro, so I've I sit through it each time when I would just skip it, like you normally do when you're what when you're marathoning a series. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I'd say if you're looking for a totally different uh, anime series, a bit of a mystery and everything, Perfect Insider is worth watching. And I I'm pretty sure it's probably streaming on like Crunchyroll and sites like that as well so because uh, the the home release hasn't got a dub or anything so um, it's been released by uh, Sentai in the US and by Animatsu in the UK so if you want to check that out then by all means check it out cool, and look please. out for my review on the website coming up soon <laughs> totally so, that'll do oh. me Alrighty, um, is it my turn now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I mentioned this early in the episode, but, um, I might as well reiterate here. I've, uh, unfortunately in terms of, like, I haven't been able to watch too much, per se, but I have been, I've, I kind of just, like, a lot of, uh, video games that I was kind of waiting for to come out, kind of, uh, all came out at the same time. Tis um, the season! Tis the season! So, I, uh... That has basically, for the past couple weeks since last we recorded an episode, that's what I've been kind of throwing my time into, if I haven't been working. So, um, that's allowed me to experience a couple different things, so let me see if I can just go down the list. Um, the first thing to come out that I was able to get my hands on and, uh, give it a go was, uh, tie-in video game to the Dragon Ball world that's been kind of making waves for the past two installments. It's called uh, Dragon Ball Xenoverse. This is the sequel, so this is numero dos. Xenoverse dos. And, um, it's, uh, the whole premise for this particular series of video games, because Dragon Ball has been having, and Dragon Ball Z have had numerous video game tie-ins. Almost all of them, uh, basically finding a way to turn, you know, the series into a standard fighting game. And, you know, with different uh, twists and turns and basically uh, reliving different iconic moments throughout the series. Uh, Xenoverse, however, that came back, that came out, I think it was last year? The first one came out? No, two years ago. Um, I might be wrong, so if someone could fact check me on this, that'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, but what it decided to do differently was that it provided an opportunity to uh make a more online multiplayer experience for Dragon Ball fans where they could create their own style uh, Dragon Ball character where they can actually, the whole premise of the story is being able to time travel 
to these different moments in uh. the Dragon Ball lore because somebody we don't know who off the big off of the bat is going around to these different eras of time in the Dragon Ball world and messing with stuff. So, for example, in the original sh- uh, story where um, Goku shows up and uh, in the arc of the Saiyans where he um, only has to fight Vegeta. Well, something could go wrong where basically everyone was overwhelmed way too quickly. Nappa's still alive, so Goku's having to fight both Vegeta and Nappa as their giant ape Saiyan forms. Which can get a little messy. So basically it's the job of your character to get thrust into these different situations before things go wrong and make sure that the proper timeline is followed. Which is an interesting idea for a premise because it is really fun to see a lot of these different uh, scenarios play out when you do find that something's been changed. There are a couple particularly hilarious moments where, say, um, in the uh, free... In the, when they're on uh, planet Namek, when we're introduced to the Ginyu Force, where, mm. um, say, for example, Ginyu's able to swap bodies with someone he's not supposed to. And does his trademark poses, and you see him do poses as those that character, and you just look at it and just go, no, that's so wrong. <laughs> but, well, um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. What, what style of game is it? Is it a... Um, it try, it'll try to, like, it tries to sell itself as both a fighting game and an RPG and an MMORPG. Uh-huh. But... Of those elements, it's more of... I'd say it's leaning more toward those the latter two uh, mm-hmm. genres. Because there are, you know... Obviously, it's, um, you know... It is an action-based, you know, RPGs. Because, you know, you press buttons and your character hits things. And mm-hmm. characters go flying. They're, you know, flying up and down around a map. And uh, you hit a character, they'll hit into a brick wall. The brick wall will crumble... You know, that kind of stuff, but it's... from In terms of just general overall gameplay, it is definitely more of a RPG and more so an MMORPG because the it seems that the way they were trying to push it was to be more for not, not so much story, but for online play. So this is more for people to create characters, team up, and uh, go and do uh, missions together. Which... In in hindsight, it's it's a it's a really good idea, and it's in all honesty, I've kind of seen you know as, as a Dragon Ball fan, I've kind of seen this happen before. With um, there was a uh, Korean uh, Korean MMORPG online MMORPG called uh, Dragon Ball Online mm-hmm. that I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if it's still running today or if they had to take it offline or something, but it was. Uh, pretty much a very similar idea, though um, there was a ver- almost like pre- think a pretty much fully realized version of the Dragon Ball world, which you could fly around when you weren't going on missions or story-based uh, quests or whatnot, and you could go to a lot of really iconic locales, which was interesting. Uh, but uh, Xenoverse has kind of streamlined this idea more into the mainstream. But um, the one thing where uh, online has where Xenoverse One kind of failed was having a uh, basically when you weren't going on one of these missions in a like a predetermined level area, the it did have an open world, but it was really super small. Xenoverse Two kind of builds on that and gives you more of a bigger world to explore that kind of has combined elements from a bunch of different pla- iconic places in uh, Dragon Ball that you can 
uh, run around from, and uh, eventually, once you get to a certain level in the story, you are actually allowed to uh, be able to fly around from place to place, which is pretty fun once you unlock it, but you have to kind of slog through a bit through the difficult level areas in order to get there. So it's, it's I, I mean, as a Dragon Ball fan, I really, you know, there is a definitely a kind of, like, nostalgic catharsis when it comes to, you know, being able to create my own character, run around in these things, interact with different characters from the Dragon Ball world that I'm very fond of. And that, if that's what you're looking for, this is definitely a game that's going to be entertaining you for, like, hours on end, especially if you decide to play online. But I, one of the things, like I've mentioned before, is, like, I, I think it could have been a much stronger game if it had picked just one or two of the elements that I listed above and it just stuck with it instead of trying to make it as many things as they possibly could. Because there are a couple areas where the game kind of falls short. Like, if you're playing this game for the story, there are a a couple of nice elements to it. Like I said, the alternate takes on history are pretty funny or pretty interesting to watch. Um, But... There really, other than that, there really is not that much more to them. And there were quite a few times where I'd be looking at the game animation, the in-game animation, and it was it. I kind of had to wonder why they made these uh, made this a release for PlayStation Four and uh, Xbox One exclusively. Because aside from a few places, it looks like it could have been a previously a, a previous gen title. Mm-hmm. Like there's only like one or two scenes of a really really high def and animation uh cutscenes like i think it was like one of the very first ones you see when you start a new file is uh you see this uh a recreation of the scene with uh goku's father bardock as he's you know fighting his way to frieza before frieza blows up the uh saiyan planet and it's if you look at that animation it's really freaking incredible and i wish they could have had more scenes like it in the game but that as far that I've seen, those are, that's only one of two scenes that they animated like that. Everything else is kind of this really kind of uh, low-key, uh, sometimes even stilted anima- uh, animation that just kind of gets you from point A to point B or explains plot points to you that you might you kind of sort of need to know if you're going to get somewhat invested in the story, but then that's more or less it. So it's... I'm still enjoying it for the most part. Like I said, I mean, there's there are still plenty of things for a diehard fan to get a kick out of. Like whether you're mentor, you know, you're studying under a particular Dragon Ball character who you're, you know, is your favorite character, and he's teaching you their move. They're teaching you their uh, moves, their iconic signature attacks, or um, even if you're just chatting up with some random NPCs in the uh, in the hub world, which have a lot of really funny dialogue then you're going to enjoy it just fine. But if you're looking for a deeper uh, gameplay experience, then that's this is not the game for you. So that's one, that's one of the things that I've been uh, going through recently. So I apologize for the long-winded explanation, but uh, I, have a, I have a lot of feelings about things that like just sort of like almost meet my expectations, but just miss the mark. Especially with something like Dragon Ball. It's just like, I know you can be better. <laughs> um, one other thing I'm going to go through really quickly because I'm actually in the process of getting a review, a proper review on the website, so I won't go into too much detail, is a uh, independently, independently uh, created video game 
by the name of Owlboy, which came out, uh, I believe it was just the, uh, November 1st. And it was a game that's nine years in development, so it's been a long, long time coming. And I believe I've made a mention to this when it was uh, its release date was announced a couple mm-hmm. of podcast episodes back. Yes. And I haven't beaten it yet, but I am close. And I have to say that even with the nine years waiting for this title to come out, it was worth every penny. It was a very interesting, you know great animation as far as like pixel pixel art goes and it's just really fun characters great story i'm like you know i was invested pretty much from the first level onward and um i can i'll be able to explain a bit more about it in my review coming up soon but if you're on the fence about getting it or trying it out i would say either get the demo before you go full tilt into the game and and buying it but it's if you see any other reviews based on that demo, trust me, that's everyone's saying go buy this game right now because the people who were behind it obviously put a lot of uh, a lot of love and a lot of work into this game, and it's it's definitely worth the money. So check out Owlboy if you haven't already, and uh, I think there's two other things I wanted to go over, but I think I'll just keep it really short. I think. Uh, Chris, you wanted to hear about uh, my experience with the um, Batman Telltale game. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that's been going. That's been coming out for a while, and I think uh, I'll just just for the announcement, they're going to be releasing the next episode, episode four for this series on uh, November twenty second. If this episode hasn't already come out by then, if not, then it's already out. So go play it. But um, it's. I have been really impressed with a lot of the different Telltale games that have come out in the past. Like, I've played The Walking Dead, I've played Wolf Among Us, and uh, those were both phenomenal uh, gaming experiences in the fact that, you know, they really kind of drive home the whole, you know, your nar- your, your choices mm-hmm. drive the narrative kind of gameplay. Like, I don't think I've seen any other uh, studio or development studio really kind of capture the same kind of charm as they have. And I have to say, the same goes with Batman. Because I was surprised when I first heard about this, uh, that they were going to be making an adaptation of of a Batman story. I was wondering, you know, okay, well, there are so many different tales from the comics. Like, what are they specifically going to be bringing to life here? You know, so many stories have been told with this character. Like, over 75 years worth of stories. So, it was really interesting to see which direction they were taking it. And... They took it in a direction which I didn't expect with um, focusing on Batman as in his early earlier years when he's still trying to gain the um, the trust of the police uh-huh. and become more of a respected figure in Gotham instead of just uh, something that everyone should fear instead of just criminals. And really you can kind of, your decisions can kind of help guide Batman whether or not he just is a lot more brutal to the criminals he takes down, or if he actually starts to make more of a respected name for himself, you know, what kind of people he allies with. But even more interesting, the fact is that you're not just, you're not just playing as Batman here, it's definitely a dichotomy going on between playing as both Batman in his own sequences and then Bruce Wayne in his own sequences. Um. And I think, to be honest, at least with this particular story, which I won't spoil for you because it's worth playing, it focus, focuses a lot more on Bruce 
And he has his own fair share of challenges to uh, to deal with, and you know, both in and out of suit. So that again, I'm I'm more like I'm more used to the whole you know, Batman Arkham Asylum kind of you know where you're mostly just Bruce Wayne as Batman, just kind of going to work and taking down criminals. But this at, with this particular uh, format. The fact that they were able to push it more onto the, you know, you know, the focus is more on Bruce Wayne than Batman, with Batman's more being more of a vehicle to get, you know, stuff done, is really, really creative, and it's really worth checking out if you're a Batman fan. And who isn't? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like I said, seventy-five years worth of comics. I think, I think he's here to stay. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I don't know, because I'm particularly interested in this upcoming episode, because um, they just recently released the trailer for it, and uh, I won't say how, but Bruce has found himself in Arkham Asylum. Yeah. He's he's cut off from his other allies, and he comes face-to-face with a character for the first time who he is going to get very, very used to seeing as his arch-nemesis. Uh, yeah, uh, you know who I'm talking about. He's pasty white face, green hair, and got always got a big smile on his face. So I don't know exactly how he's going to play into this story, because he's definitely not the main bad guy. But he is making his first appearance here, so it's episode four is going to be quite interesting. So keep an eye out for that, and if you haven't had a chance to play Bat- the Batman Telltale series, by all means, check it out. This reminds me that I need to finish the Game of Thrones Telltale game before I... Um, oh, right, that was also before, a thing. Before I, I get any of the other ones. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've still got that one. I haven't finished it. How far How far did you get into it? Have I done three or four? I don't know. I downloaded... It's on my. The thing is, it was on PlayStation Three, and now I have a PlayStation Four. So I haven't. It's my PlayStation Three. So, <laughs> oh yeah, that's still on there. <laughs> so I, I would need to go back to that and finish that mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah, I, I know. I, I I meant to finish it, but then I saw, I saw new information about the next episode for Batman uh, Telltale, and I'm like, I couldn't wait. I <laughs> I, I just couldn't wait. Nice. And I guess that's more or less it. I uh, I have. If you've been following my Twitter, I have uh, recently gotten a copy of uh, the most recent Pokemon game, and Pokemon-itis is, uh, it's hit me rather hard. I can't put it down. I'm probably going to be playing it for the next couple weeks. (laughs) But, um, it's good. It's very good. So, you love Pokemon, go try it out. Alola, the Alola region's great. If you just all the Hawaii goodness. I'm still way too early in the game to really say like to say more than that. Other than I'm having a lot of fun playing it so far and already trading Pokemon back and forth with my best friend. So that 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 tells that tells me a game's doing something right. So yeah, that I think that uh more or less wraps it up the water cooler on my end. So uh, yeah, I think we should uh call it a day. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us for episode 61. Hope you enjoyed the conversation as we talk about, you know, the latest news and trailers and such. And 
we will hope to see you next time on episode 62. You can find more uh, news, animation news, reviews, etc. on our main website at animationforadults.com. And you can always stay tuned on our social medias on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and um, Tumblr. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at FailToNinja. And Chris, where can we find you? At Mr. Crystal on Twitter and Facebook. Awesome. All right, that wraps things up, and we will see you guys next time. Goodbye!